morning. Good morning. Indeed, this is our story. <laughs> I don't know. Like Jamil said, it's so good to see so many new faces. Um, and I don't know uh, where you are in your walk of God right now. I don't know. Uh, some of you are seeking God. Uh, what is all this about? Others are taking that first steps of a decision you took recently. Others are in this walk for some times. But this is our story. Worshipping the God who came on earth and gave his life so that we could celebrate life. And this is why we gather. This is why we raise our voices. This is why we, we, we give of our, our time and our resources because God deserves so much more than what we can actually give. <laughs> we only give a tiny little thing of what God uh, deserves. But one day we know that we'll face Him. We'll be with Him face to face and we'll keep on worshiping. And the more we see Him, the more we know of Him, the more we will be worshiping. But it's wonderful that we can just be together and, and, and hear the voices uh, of people all around. Jamil was saying that, um, yeah, the summer is uh, almost over, at least the summer period. Uh, gladly in Portugal, you might be still able to enjoy good weather, maybe until end of September. Uh, and maybe some of you are here uh, on vacation uh, or others just uh, moved in, back into the city. Um, but, but there is this feeling of a new season. There is this feeling of the summer, the vacations uh, are over. And for me, September always brings that feeling of a new chapter there is uh, ahead. Uh, and you've probably been already um, at the beach several times. And I don't know if you're like me, but the older you get, the more difficult it is to actually enter the sea and dive in. I don't know if it's a medical condition. I actually tried to Google it. I don't know how to do it, you know, chicken out. I, I don't know, but it's the, the older I get, the colder it is to enter those waters. And I, and I actually hate those 10 minutes of warming up because I just want to dive in. But I'm there, and honestly, uh, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> and I just see the children running, and they don't even think about it and they just run straight into the sea like if it was some sort of 25 degree Greek Mediterranean water. They don't think about it. And I remember when I was young, I would also used to race my friends to see who would dive first from the towel to the sea. But now I'm there a lot of time ankle deep <laughs> because I have the control. I know if I want to go further, I will go. But if I need to stay there for half an hour, I'll stay there. And honestly, one of, the most, one of the things that I hate the most is when people come near me and they splash water <laughs> on me. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, I flip out, <laughs> honestly. And when we were at the, at the Lisbon Project with the kids for two times at the beach, uh, it's a challenge for me to keep you know, the... The Christian attitude, because children cannot see you dry, they will splash all the water you can, and I hate it, I hate it. As long as I'm there, I have the control. And what happens actually is that sometimes the water is actually too cold and I decide to come back. We at Riverside, we don't want anyone to just stay at ankle-deep waters in your relationship with God. 
we want you to move forward. Surely we will not force you, we will not splash it into you, but we truly want to see a community that not just grows in numbers, but grows in maturity, in intimacy with God, in depth with God. That's what we want to see. That's why we have also the live groups starting out. We want to see movement in this uh, community. And that's why we're also starting a new series as we uh, enter this new uh, chapter of the year and chapter of the church. And this series is called River Deep, Beyond the Banks of Shallow Faith. And today I want to encourage you, to challenge you to go deeper in your relationship with God. And I want us to turn to a, a known passage that can be found in the Old Testament. Um, it's all about waters that we'll be talking this morning. And this is a passage you find in Ezekiel chapter 47. These last chapters of the book of Ezekiel, they are full of rich um, uh, scenes with imageries, visions that were given to this prophet. By this time, the prophet has been um, away from home. Him, him and, and the people of Israel, they were in exile in Babylon for now 25 years. And God starts giving Ezekiel a couple of visions so that he could share with, uh, write it down and share with the community in order to give them hope, in order to restore that broken hope they had. The temple, the most holy place for the Israelites, had been completely devastated. People were taken away from home into exile, into Babylon. And those who eventually stayed on the land, the land was completely devastated. But God felt the need to use Ezekiel to challenge them to not forget him but to grow deeper in their faith in the middle of the chaos that was surrounding them. So a, a, a lot of visions are being given. And one in the chapter 40, you start a, a vision where, where the temple, a vision of a, a, a big temple, um, has, as if the temple was being restored. And there's many details. And it talks about all the details in this magnificent temple. But in chapter 47... A vision is giving of a small stream that comes out of the temple. And we have a couple uh, uh, of images there. So there's a river that flows out of the temple. And then the angel, uh, Ezekiel doesn't tell us, but the angel who's giving him the vision tells him, okay, walk 500 meters and now cross this river. And you can put the next image so after 500 meters, he crosses the river and the water is there ankle deep. Then the angel tells him, walk another 500 meters and cross again. And now the water is knee deep. Another 500 meters and the water is waist deep. And after a fourth crossing, then Ezekiel said, okay, I, cannot, I can only cross it by swimming. So in a matter of two kilometers, the river that flew out of the temple, this small stream, became a raging river. And this is what it says then in verse 6 of Ezekiel chapter 47. Then he led me back along, he led me back along the bank of the river. 
As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great number of trees on the one side and on the other. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Jordan Valley. And when it enters the sea, the Dead Sea he's talking about, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh. And everything will live where the river goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the great sea. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. A beautiful picture is set before Ezekiel, and he's told to describe it to, the, to, to his audience, to the people of Israel. And I would like to highlight three nuggets from this scripture that we will, when we'll follow them throughout the passage in order for us to understand what this vision means. The first is the source of this river. It says on verse 12, it flows out of the temple, a tiny little stream that quickly becomes a deep and wide river. But this is a counter-natural river. Because if the rivers do not have other streams that source him, the rivers tend to lose its flow. But this river starts tiny and different from any other river, as it flows, it becomes bigger. First nugget, the source of this river. Second, the power of this river. This river is said it flows down into the desert, goes into the Jordan Valley, and enters in a desolate place called the Dead Sea. And actually, the Dead Sea is called Dead Sea because due to the salinity of those waters, Things do not grow there. Too much salt. Plants do not grow there. And the people who would hear this, when they hear that the river goes and it, the, it changes the stagnant waters to fresh waters, they could picture what was happening about. This river, this river has the power to sustain life in the desolated place. The power of the river. Third nugget. The life this river brings. As the, the guy take Ezekiel um, along the bank of the river, Ezekiel see these leaves, see these trees. There's fruit for every month. There's healing there. There's abundance of fish. There's life that happens uh, as the river goes along. And in, in the first stage, we can understand how beautiful this picture would be for that first audience. Maybe they would be reminded of that first description of Genesis, in Genesis of the Garden of Eden, of, of the paradise of, of Eden. And now God is, is using that image again to bring them some more hope. But what is the true meaning of this vision? Is it just a nice poem 
Is it just a nice painting before them? With all these visions that are given to Ezekiel, there's two schools of thoughts. The first, some Christian and some Jew, um, they take this vision literally. And they say that one day a temple will be rebuilt again with all this uh, grandiosity, with all those uh, details. And everything will be restored exactly as Ezekiel wrote. And there's a second school of thought that says that these visions is not to be taken uh, literally, but they depict a reality of God's presence again and God's restoration among his people. I personally, I lean towards this second uh, vision. A building is not yet uh, built. A, bu- a temple was not here again. And I think there's so much more about it that we can learn. So let me go straight into it. I believe that what the prophet is seeing in chapter 47 is the time from Pentecost to this very day when God pour out his spirit and that the river that is springing up He's an image of the Holy Spirit. In other words, on the individual level, the river represents our personal faith with God. And on a large level, it represents the growth of the church with the Holy Spirit. Did I went too fast? How did I get there? <laughs> we need to fast forward 600 years after. And we will learn the significance of this image from Jesus itself. In two different episodes, Jesus talks about a living water he had to give and living water that would gush out of those who would receive this. So let's look at it together. Two different episodes. One we can, found in, we can find in John chapter 4 when Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. So now Jesus was traveling through that region with his disciples. It was the middle of the day. It was hot. He wanted to rest by a well, and he asked his disciples to go to the city to get some provision and food. And while Jesus is there waiting, a woman comes uh, to take water from the well, and Jesus asks her to give him some water. And she acts very surprisingly because... Here she is in an awkward situation, speaking alone with the man. And most of all, she was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. They wouldn't get along there. And Jesus asked her for some water, and she uh, stands back. She's a bit skeptic about it. And we have this conversation recorded in chapter 4. But then Jesus tells her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Woman, if you knew who I am, you would ask me for some living water. But the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. 
So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus has living water to give. And he says, those who take of this water that I have to give, they won't be thirsty again. More. They says, those who take the gift that I have to give, then spring of water will gush up to eternal life. It's still a bit mysterious, right? We know that water, um, and in the Bible, water many times is, has also the significance of uh, uh, blessing, something that is uh, fruitful, and especially in dry lands, in deserts, where there's water, there's life, and it's important. But Jesus is not talking about some natural water from that well, because the next day the woman would have to go there as she would get thirsty again. He's talking about some living water. But this is still somehow mysterious. So we need to jump to episode 2. Now Jesus is not talking privately with someone. But Jesus went to Jerusalem uh, by the time of the, the, the festival of tabernacles. It was an important festival where all the Jews were called to come to Jerusalem. And he used this time. And Jordan records this in chapter 7. On the last day of the festival... The climax of the festival, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living waters. And again, Jesus has some living water to give. And in the same way as he was talking with that woman, an invitation was, was sent for people to quench that, their thirst and come and drink from that living water Jesus had to give. Jesus cried out to people about this. And gladly John, on the next verse, writes it down, the interpretation of the words of Jesus. And John says... Now he, Jesus, he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. In private or publicly, and now written down in paper for all of us, there is an invitation for all of those who are thirsty, who are in need, to come and believe and receive the salvation. Receive the Spirit of God. Receive the Spirit that will renew your life. Renew the, the, the Spirit that will make you a new creature. Receive something that is alive. Relieve, uh, relieve, uh, receive something that is powerful. And, and Jesus uses this expression, rivers of living water. And he not only appropriates this, um, this, this symbol, this imagery from Ezekiel 47. There's many other, plenty of other passages in the Old Testament. And I just highlighted two more for you. See what God says through Isaiah. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. 
I will, put my, I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Also Ezekiel in a different chapter, he also describes what this is. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filth and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my regulation. So together with Ezekiel 47, together with this passage, we see there's, there's something here. And, and as I was reading this passage, I was thinking... Wow, sometimes we wish so much we were back on, that, on those times where they could hear the voice of God and they could write down these things. But they didn't know what all these mysterious images would mean. But now, now we have revelation written on paper. Interpretation of those words. Water is essential to keep us alive but the living water of God is essential for keeping us alive eternally. And the salvation is set and an invitation is there for all of those who are thirsty. For all of those who, 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 do not, who are not able to fill their lives with the things they can find around. All of those who are thirsty. And Ezekiel says, if I will, this water, this spirit I, I will give to you, it will clean from all your filth. It will take away your focus from the things that are not from God. And a new thing will be given to you. So maybe now the pieces of the puzzle make a bit more sense. And this river can, the symbolism of this river can be understood. It represents a salvation that exists and a personal faith, personal walk with God. And it also represents on a larger scale a community that grows in that walk. So now I believe we are a bit more ready to swim deeper in this image. So let's go back again to those three nuggets that I highlighted in the beginning. Do you still remember what was the first one? The source. What was the second one? The power. And the third one? Life. Yes. Thank you. In the times of Ezekiel, the presence of God was manifested in the temple. There was that holy place. But now that vision has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus was called the Emmanuel, was called God with us. So there's no longer a need for a physical temple because we know that Jesus is the presence of God in us. So the source of the river, that source is the presence of God, nugget number one. And as we accept Jesus our, as our Savior, He will be daily present in our lives. He promised to be a daily source, a life-giving presence. Jesus being God, Jesus being the eternal God, the creator of galaxies in all sorts of life, doesn't he also have the power to be a daily source that we need in our life? 
And as Jesus gives you salvation and he gives the gift of that Holy Spirit, that's a counter-natural river that is not supposed to dim with a time to lose its flow, but it's supposed to, it's supposed to grow bigger and wider. So our spiritual walk starts with ankle-deep waters. There's a beginning. There's a journey. There's a process of learning. But it's meant to grow wider and deeper. And now we move to that nugget number two. The power of the river. That supernatural power in our lives. That unstoppable growth that the power of God has in our lives. The same way that the river flows down the desert in the desert place. God has the power to deal with all the dryness, to deal with all the deadness of our souls, has the power to transform. Jesus can renew, revive, recreate everything through his life giving power. And this is not a vision of something else in the future. This is something very present, an invitation very present to all of us. And as we experience God, as we grow in faith, as we believe and as we learn, those drops will become thicker and thicker and the stream may become a strong river. Last week, Gabby challenged us to look into our hearts and to ask the question, who we are and who do we want to be? It challenges us to look at a passage in Galatians 5 where we look at the fruit of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit could work in our lives, things such as love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. He, she challenges us to, 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 to look at it and examine ourselves. So my question is, are we ankle deep in the way that we live with joy, with peace, with love with one another? Or do we swim in deep levels of kindness towards others? How deep are we in our relationship with God? And how further do we want to walk? As I said, as a church, we don't want to be ankle deep in ankle deep waters, afraid that we might go back to our towels, thinking that we have the control over everything and that control will stop us many times to go to move forward. But we want to take faith. Belief has a journey, has a process that it is. So life groups are happening. But we want to encourage you to meet with other people throughout the week. Be church throughout the week. Pray with one another. Encourage one another. Have worship times with one another. Walk this journey with one another. Because transformation in us and around us will come as the river flows. And here we jump to our third and last nugget, the life of the river, an inside-out transformation that river can bring. As the river flows, it transforms everything that it touches. 
Remember all that vision of, of the plants and the trees and all the fruits alongside the banks of the river. That was the purpose of the river, to bring life to a desolate place, to make stagnant waters fresh. Salvation is, is upon us. Salvation is given to us so that it can bring life into our lives. But as we come together, we can transform and bring life to the people around us. When we encounter God in our lives, something has to change. Transformation has to be something that happens in our life constantly, as a river also flows constantly. As this water was, as this water was able to, to reach the deep level of the sea, the water has power to reach the depth of our souls. There's, there's no story that is too bitter. There is no story that is too sad that God cannot come and reach. There is nothing that is so desolated that God doesn't have the power to bring life into it. And he calls us as a church as well to be a transformational instrument in our society. So the spirit of God, the power of God within us, the Bible tells it in places, I just mentioned the fruit of the spirit in Galatians Galatian 5 that transforms our lives in order for us to serve the people around us. The Spirit of God reminds us of spiritual truths. It teaches us. The Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. It's not a timid spirit. But it's a spirit that gives us power, authority, self-control. The Spirit of God helps us to make disciples. It helps us to, to teach them to obey the things of God. But how far are we willing to go? In our broken society, the church is the, is the channel of the river of life. What we offer to our society is not just moral teaching, but it's primarily hope and life. Where is anyone's true hope? Who can heal this land and man our broken society? Jesus can. Jesus can. And we as his followers, we have the person of Jesus to present to people. We are not here to present a set of doctrines. We are not here to present a set of ideas and thoughts. We are here to present a person to someone that doesn't know Jesus. And Jesus says, whoever believes in me, whoever comes to me to quench his thirst, will receive living water, will receive salvation. And of that person will gush out living water for many others. And that has been happening for 2,000 years now. And that river is growing deeper and wider. So I have three last questions for you to take home today. Are we pursuing the presence of God in all that we do? 
remember the source. Is God our source? He's God, he's God the first in everything. Do we go to God before we take uh, any action and any decision? Is He the source of our thoughts, the source of our action? Second, are we daring to go deeper with God in this walk, in our personal faith walk? I know many Christians that do not even dare to get their ankles wet. Where do we stand? How far are we willing to go? Third question. Do we allow, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to use us in order for us to provide life and comfort to the others as well? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to use us? In the same way, Ezekiel had this vision while they were in exile and the people were needing words of hope and words of restoration and chaos was surrounding them. We too have not just a vision of the past and an understanding of all this, of all the, all, all, all this powerful mission, message, but we also have a vision of the future. A vision that helps us as well to hold on and not be drowned by the chaotic waves around us. And this is something that I find beautiful throughout the Bible. A continuation of God's word, a continuation of his vision, a, a consistency of God who is eternal from the beginning to the end. So I just want to quickly point out to another passage in the Bible in the last book, in the last pages. And this is what the Apostle John wrote as a vision of the future. Then the angels showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Where have we heard this before? No longer there will be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants, we, will worship Him. And they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. So the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires His prophets, the Lord who inspired Ezekiel, the Lord who inspired Isaiah, the Lord who inspired the, those who wrote the Psalms, the Lord who himself came down on earth in, in, in a person, Jesus Christ, he has sent his angels to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. So blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. And again, from the first pages of Genesis, through the prophets until the last pages of the Bible, we see this picture of this 
river of this a picture of life, a picture of restoration, a picture of hope. And now we have an understanding about how cosmic this message is. Because we serve a God that is cosmic. A God that knows no boundaries. A God that has no limitations. And a God who speaks the same message from beginning to end. And that message is being now presented to us. How far, how deep are we willing to go? May we be like the Samaritan woman when she understood who Jesus was and she said, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water so I may never be thirsty. Give me this water so I may never be thirsty again. Is your soul thirsty? Is your soul in need of something more? Is your soul in need of something more than the things around can provide? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He is your source. He is an unstoppable growth in your life. He is always present and he brings life. Let's pray together. And I would like to call the worship team to come as I pray. Father God, your word is true. Your word is alive. Your word is present. Father, as we open your word, as we find the beauty of your words, Lord, we can only respond in awe. We can only respond in wonder, Your word brings life because you are the creator of life. Your word brings restoration. Because you made everything and you know what needs to be restored. So Father, to my brothers and sisters that I see around here. To those that are see that are, 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 are seeking you. Are asking questions. I ask Father that you show yourself. That you open more and more that you reveal more and more of all the beauty of who you are. And may we just be open to receive those waters, to approach your throne, to approach your presence and receive what you freely have to give. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you because you went as far as giving your life so that you could give us life so that our sins could be forgiven in light of your sacrifice for us. We thank you, Father. And we thank you for this gift. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your ever presence in our lives. We thank you for the promises that you are here and now and you will be with us daily. So, Father, we can only stand in awe. We can only we can only meditate. We can only dwell in your word. And we can only express words of worship 
as we understand more and more who you are. So Father, speak this morning. Help us to hear you. Speak. We want to dwell in your presence. We want to come near you and drink from the, your beauty, drink from your life. This is our prayer and we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.